0: What's up guys, this is Keir from RugbyStrengthCoach.com This is the 21st episode of the Rugby Strength Coach podcast and today's guest will be Jason Pegg. For those of you who are not familiar with Jason, he is uh, an internet famous powerlifter from the USA. Uh, He's got a very, very interesting backstory. Uh, Initially was a high-level football player going into university, then switched uh, tack and went into the army. Uh, Was actually injured, uh, got blown up in Afghanistan in 2005 spent two years in military hospital, nearly lost his arm, uh, and then came back, changed tack, and went to powerlifting and decided that he was going to squat a 1,000 pounds, which he then did. Um, In recent years, he's kind of moved away from that a little bit into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and some other sports, uh, but has recently returned to powerlifting and squatted over 775 pounds in just a set of knee wraps. Now, obviously, uh, all of those different experiences Uh, Add up to a guy that's got a ton of knowledge uh, and a ton of experience. Uh, So, in this conversation, I picked his brains all about how to get as big, strong, as fast as possible, um, what really transfers to improve performance in your sport, and, and a host of other not necessarily politically correct topics. So, enjoy this conversation, and remember if you want to get access to all of the monthly webinars that we host. Uh, on the site from Elite Sports uh, Strength and Conditioning Coaches from all over the world. Just go to rugbystrengthcoach.com slash members, and you'll also be able to get access to the forum that we have there. Again, coaches from all over the world discussing everything to do with strength and conditioning, uh, providing advice, networking opportunities, and so on. Anyway, enjoy. Peg, how's it going, brother?
1: wonderful. How are you, sir?
0: I'm awesome. Thank you very much for doing this. Of course. So... Explain to people where, where they'll probably know you from. What are you most famous for?
1: Uh, gay porn with Jim Wendler.
0: <laughs> you are busy friends <laughs> with Jim Wendler.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we used to be, well, we were kind of gay, but not really. Uh, that's how a lot of people would know us, uh, Bear community. Um, otherwise, no, I was a, a sponsored power lifter with uh, Elite FTS for a long time excuse me coming off a bit of a cold uh, yeah the sponsored powerlifting stuff put together some good totals with that uh, got out of it Have done some Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff and now I'm into back into powerlifting and doing some uh, uh, stupid running stuff that's uh, entertaining but very different
0: any any running where you're not being chased has got to be stupid
1: ah, good reason
0: <laughs> but you started out as a football guy right
1: Yes, I played, uh, um, made some, uh, uh, like, honorable mention, all-American teams, stuff like that, which are total horseshit in high school. Um, But it was on them, so I'll tell you about it. Um, Was a two-year All-State guy, uh, played in college for a year. Uh, There's a very funny backstory to that that I won't bore you with because it's kind of long. But essentially, as an 18-year-old, it completely crushed my soul, and I played one season and quit, never again. Um, I wish now that I would have stuck with it, but I'm not sorry that I didn't.
0: What was, what was it about the experience that put you off?
1: Um, essentially, I uh, was very heavily recruited uh, by some top-flight top programs and uh, went to a football camp over the summer, uh, injured myself. Uh, pretty severe uh, fractures in my lower back at a a camp. And because of that, a lot of the offers went away. You know, they don't want to, programs don't want to waste a scholarship on a guy that uh, may never practice a single down, you know, let alone do anything fruitful. So it was, uh, I went from, uh, I verbally committed to the University of Wisconsin to play, uh, and ended up at Ball State University. Uh, at the end of that season, and this probably this won't mean much to you, but uh, uh, University of Wisconsin finished top five in the country. Uh, we're Rose Bowl champions. Uh, Ball State University, where I played, went zero uh, eleven and was the worst team in <laughs> football in the country.
0: <laughs> so you, you know, just
1: that, <laughs> I, I mean, as an eighteen-year-old kid, it's just a swing I couldn't fucking deal with mentally. Yeah. It's just, you know, you go from, uh, well, look at us, you know, top of the world. Like, this is unbelievable. You know, the facilities in Wisconsin are amazing. It's all Big Ten, you know, top shelf everything to, uh, yeah, you know, Ball State, they've got a weight room under the bleachers like you had in high school. And (laughs) was where they trained and stuff. You know, their facilities have uh, uh, come a million miles in the last 10 years. But when I was there, that was what it was.
0: Yeah. Were you just kind of um, a recreational weight trainer or, you know, coming up through football? When, when did you kind of start to formalize your, your knowledge as a, as a trainer? Because, you know, for those who are not aware, like, you've, you've got a big, big training brain.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think I'd do all right. Uh, honestly, like, with me, it was one of those things, um, you know, and it's very cliche, but it's like my grandpa had in his you know, and he was the only guy that I knew that trained, but he had those old-ass, uh, like, sand and plastic weights from Sears with a little weight bench, you know, like that. And I was always seeing, like, him downstairs, you know, and all he did was, like, bench and curls and leg extensions. That's what you know. So <laughs> well, I mean, it was, you know, he's an old-ass man. You know, like, he did that in ran, and he was like, I was just like, God, he's jacked. And, you know, you go down and you see the bodybuilding magazines and Oh, yeah, I can get this big just like this dude eating this protein and, (laughs) you know, just a standard party line for that stuff, if you will. And then just uh, um, just uh, uh, found out I had a bit of a knack for it as time went. Yeah. And just, I mean, like anything else that you're into, I was into it. I was good at it, but I was into it as well. You know, the the mental side of it rather than just, ooh, me strong, me lift weight. You know, it was not just a, uh the meathead that you picture, and it just kind of uh, went from there for me so did you
0: continue to lift uh, when you when you joined the army or did it was it that kind of out the window and it was just like p t through kind of selection and everything
1: uh um it was definitely you know definitely lifted when I was in the army basic training you don't you can't lift at all uh, so it was off there they had like prison weights that were legitimately like coffee cans with a piece of rebar, you know, concrete. I'm not kidding. I mean, it was like a prison yard. Um, after that, you know, it was like I was lifting weights, because this was in 2002, 2003, stuff in uh, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq is going on. And it's one of those, like, Jesus, you to have to carry all sorts of shit up and down these mountains. It was always, uh, um, always one or two to get stronger, but it was always to improve my abilities as a soldier and not to uh, uh, hit any sort of total.
0: Yeah. And which, which tour of Afghanistan was it that you, you ended up getting injured? Uh, I
1: was in uh, 2005, the second one I did.
0: And um, would you mind explaining kind of how, how that happened and, and, and what happened? Uh,
1: yeah, it was... Uh, um, excuse me, I'm sorry. But I was an uh, infantry guy, and we were doing security for... Um, they have uh, uh, civil affairs and medical guys. that would go out, and they called them uh, Medical Civil Action Program is what it was called. But essentially, the, uh, they'd go out and talk to village elders and, you know, have little aid stations set up, almost like an uh, uh, urgent care clinic. Bring your kid in, and those teeth are bad. Okay. They'll fly him off. You get seen by a dentist. They've got bets there that'll deal with your wildlife. You know, cow's sick. All oh, the vet will look at it. We were doing security for those because they were out. You know, it was like, hey, come to us. We go to you. Mm-hmm. we have been doing that for a, a couple days, a week maybe. I don't I don't remember exactly at this point. Um, it was funny because they'd actually set it up at a, a school that, um, you know, the United States had paid to get built. And then <laughs> the Taliban blew the fucking school up. But they just, like, they just blew, like, two walls off of it. Yeah. Like it's like hand grenade in an RPG. And like, yeah, it's good. Uh, I don't know some sort of significance I'm not aware of, I guess, but, uh, you know, so they'd had some activity in the area and stuff like that. Well, anyway, we'd finished up there, ended up spending the night and then we're rolling out the next morning to go back. And on the way out, uh, IED went off, was two uh, 107 millimeter rockets that, uh, jacked my left arm up pretty good.
0: Wow. So is it right you, you got airlifted away?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> funny story. <laughs> I was, uh, um, it's, that part's really hazy to me. It was funny. I talked to some of my buddies afterwards. because the medic. Came, so it was a really funny story about that. He had been there, literally at our unit for about two days before he deployed. Yeah. So he's been an actual soldier out of training for six weeks. <laughs> I'm, you know, obviously like bleeding all over myself and there are all sorts of people coming up and he's like a brand new private and his eyes are fucking like dinner plates and he goes to, <laughs> like, like, he goes to give me this ID and his hands are shaking. I mean, like visibly, like, uh, um, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody with uh, go out nicotine or alcohol for a while, hands get the shakes. Yeah. Like And I'm like, you fucking fish that IV, asshole, and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and he's like, and his eyes got bigger, and his hands are shaking, and, like, literally a quarter of an inch from when he uh, uh, inserts the IB, it just, like, stops and goes right in. And
0: like,
1: <laughs> I'm like, good job, asshole. <laughs> but then they end, they end up blasting uh, morphine through here, so, of course, I'm loopy and out of it. Well, I'm under the impression that, like, man, this helicopter comes in, like, ten minutes. Now, it took, like, four hours for the helicopter to get there because they couldn't secure area for him to land. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was out of it. <laughs> so it uh, um, but, yeah, I was uh, medevaced out of there. Um, ended up, you know, getting treatment there. And was over probably, and I want to say it was the next night, that night, later that night, something, maybe the next morning. It was dark. I uh, got medevac from uh, Afghanistan to Germany, uh, which that flight still uh, remains one of the worst uh, 15 hours of my life.
0: <laughs> Anytime you end up in Germany, it's
1: not good. <laughs> ah, I mean, you don't want to go there like, like that. <laughs> you can avoid it. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, um, I mean, it was just awful. Like, I had literally, it was, Myself, the guy driving, uh, he was pretty severely injured, lost an eye. But uh, um, it was like, you know, I've got three broken bones in my arms, and they're just blasting me with morphine. So it's like I'm completely unconscious, and I wake up, and my arm is just like, I'm just like, oh, God, this is awful. You know, it's, it's completely laid open from elbow to wrist. Wow. <laughs> there's, flights, there's turbulence, stuff like that. It's like I wake up, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is the worst pain ever, and then this was uh, like a full bird kernel reaches over and just whoo, pushes in the morphine. I'm unconscious again for four more hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucked bad.
0: <laughs> and how long were you in Germany before before you went to the states? Uh, three or
1: four days. Okay. They had for for most of them. Germany was just uh, uh, the flight across the Atlantic. I guess is fairly long. Mm. Is my understanding. Um, just the way they have to go about it, I, I'm not sure. But um, essentially, they stop in Germany to make sure that you're stable enough to survive the flight from Germany to uh, I don't remember what airfield is Dover, maybe. Mm. They're They're close to DC, but that's what I, I think it was. There three or four days, and you know they've got all these liaisons that come in, and I'm just hammered on. All sorts of narcotics. I have no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> from there, you went to
0: military hospital, right? Because I think I remember you telling me once that you were in hospital for two years.
1: I was there for uh, um, just over 18 months Whoa. total. Yeah, I spent uh, uh, almost three months as an inpatient total. And then just uh, time on the post in and out, in and out every day. And is that
0: for, for surgeries as, as well as rehab or just rehab?
1: Uh, both. Cause it was, it was one of those initially, they were just like, Hey, let's, the wound was so big. Um, they just wanted to get it closed up.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, to avoid the infection, things like that. So like, however this heals, we don't care. We'll worry about it later. We just need to get the wound closed. That, that in and of itself took 14 months before it was completely closed. But yeah, I was in there doing the, um, you know, occupational therapy, rehab, all sorts of stuff like that, you know, pretty much, I mean, literally from like the second or third day I was there, even before I saw the surgeons, which was uh, another awesome experience.
0: What, you you decided for yourself that you were going to do occupational therapy, or they,
1: they pushed oh. you towards it? <laughs> yeah, they decided that, that they were going to start therapy while I was there, and I'm like, I don't think this is a good idea, <laughs> they're like, no, no, it'll be good for you, so uh, um like, I'm not kidding. Like, literally, like, two minutes into it, they've got a, a lieutenant, you know, a woman down there. And she's a proud five foot four and weighs about 35 pounds. And she's trying to manipulate my arm and get me to do all this grip shit. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, it's not good. It's not going well. And I was like, I'm done here. <laughs> That's what it the story was really back. I remember it. remember. Apparently, I said, I'm done here. Barfed all over this woman and then passed out to the paint. And that's one way to <laughs>
0: demonstrate that you're done. <laughs>
1: yeah, but uh, uh, I don't know. And but that um, was the. I'm sorry.
0: When when did you kind of start training again in the gym, or was it was that a long time before you did?
1: Um, to be honest, man, I can't remember specifically. Um, I tried, uh, you know, doing some stuff almost as soon as I had, was released. The, the, my first stint as an inpatient was a month and a half, forty six days. Yeah. Um, over the course of those 46 days due to just the, uh, drugs, you know, the, the narcotics that just murder your appetite, you know, things like that. I lost 70 pounds, 75 pounds. Whoa. From, from what weight? I went from like 310 to like, uh, 240, 235, 240. I don't remember exactly. So you were, uh, you were
0: 310 as a soldier.
1: not a small man
0: and <laughs> um, when, when did you make the decision to to get into powerlifting then and and what was the the rationale behind that decision
1: um well, it was, this was after i had completely uh, discharged from the military um you know i'd followed a lot of stuff um as i was in you know from west side louis simmons you know elite fts was picking up so I read a lot of the stuff that they had published, you know, it was back when they had good authors on there. Uh, you know, actually put out good training information, but I read that stuff and was the easiest way for me to get stronger that I'd found was doing that. You know, uh, this is essentially West side style training, mm-hmm. if you will. But it was, like I said, it was geared around the PT and stuff like that. Um, you know, intensities and things that ramp up and down, depending on the recovery training, you know, like military training, things like that. Um, There was a, uh, there were some guys, a guy I actually grew up with, Matt Winning, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, he grew up 10 minutes down the street from me. And, you know, he was actually had a, was running a power a Ball State University powerlifting team, which is where I was originally from. Yeah. You know, it was a, a local school to where I grew up. Um, you know, I was going to go back to school there because I was out of the Army. It was like, hey, I want to get down on this. And um, I was like, okay. <laughs> so, just you know, it was something to where I could be competitive personally, but it's like, you know, I'm pretty assed up. It's like I can't swing a bat or, you know, dribble a basketball, things like that. Uh. You know, so it was one of those that's like, I can do this and it's not, uh, uh, you know, hugely limiting to me physically. Yeah. You know, I wasn't worried about it because, yeah, I can't bench, but I don't care about that anyway. So it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, yeah, I can't swing, a, uh, you know, I can't swing a softball bat or, you know, use a glove. So I'm not really, really good to anybody as a softball player, you know, yeah. things like that. You know, so just, uh, um, powerlifting was the, uh, uh, not about easiest, but probably more so a more logical way for me to go and still do something that involved physical activity.
0: And was was it around that time that you, you developed that goal for uh, squatting a thousand pounds? Because that's when I first became aware of you when you you posted on Elite FTS. I think your log was called the Quest for a Thousand Pounds.
1: Yeah, um, you know, but behind that it was funny. I'd known Jim where uh, he was still with the company. Um, I'd known Jim and just talked about some stuff, and apparently he had. At some point, related my story to Dave, and they're always, you know, looking for different things in their logs, you know, to attract, because the clicks come from the logs, you know. Um, training logs attract people to the site, and they look around and buy things. You know, does that make sense to you? Oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Like, that's why he has the logs, just to get traffic to the site. Um, you know, he thought that I'd had a good story, and asked me if I wanted to do it. You know, I'd squatted like. I don't fucking remember at this point what it was, like 920 maybe, 900 something. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, we're going to do this and we'll make it like this. Uh, you know, like they did me, they did uh, Ted Tolstin, uh, another guy, like he had just started lifting. Like he was chasing an elite total. Yeah. And like I think at the time he was like a 42 or something like that. He was tiny. he's yeah. fucking jacked now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that, like he was trying to get his first elite total, and then they had a, um, a who else was, I don't know, somebody else, I don't, it, I don't um, remember at this point. Was it Molly
0: Edwards, was she around then?
1: Um. Yeah, I think, I think Molly, I, I can't remember, I don't know if she was there before or not,
0: because
1: yeah. it was, uh, because it was like, you know, like Dave and Louie were together, you know, Dave trained at Westside for a long time, and. You no, know, Molly's married to Luke, who was really good at Westside uh, before he got sick. You know, so I, don't, I, I, I can't remember if she was there or not when she was there. I know she was at some point. I just don't remember when.
0: Yeah. And were you uh, training at Westside pretty much from, from the moment you started to get serious about powerlifting and, and go towards that 1,000-pound total?
1: I trained at Westside two times in my life.
0: Oh, okay. I <laughs> thought you trained there for a long period.
1: I not know. I, I knew a lot of guys that trained there. Um, I actually trained for a long time. I trained, uh, I trained with Chuck Vogelpohl, who everybody knows. Um, you know, I should say guys that follow powerlifting are aware that Chuck uh, essentially made Westside, you know, famous. Just uh, um, they, they had a ton of strong guys, but Chuck was kind of that personality that uh just uh, kind of like the track. feel like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah. You know, he was... I'm just saying he was doing stuff weight-wise, you know, long before. Like, you know, um, a 1,000-pound squat at 220 is still very, very impressive. Yeah. But, but when he did it, like, the next biggest squat at 220 was, like, 800. Something like that. Like, he's just had and shoulder like, very, very he's raised the bar. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah so when I actually uh, uh, moved from Muncie to Columbus for some work, and started training with Chuck and a bunch of uh, his guys over at uh, uh, Lexington Extreme. Mm-hmm. Chuck had left Westside and was training over there. And I was training with Chuck and his guys over there.
0: And what were you doing? You know, how was your training before then that had got you up to, was it 900? And how did things change after that to get you up to that 1,000-pound barrier that you, that you wanted to break?
1: Uh, a lot of it, honestly, started off, um, this was in the, bear with me here, the timeline is a little weird. Uh, I was in Muncie training. Uh, we were training at, uh, in Muncie with Matt Winning and those guys doing the West Side stuff. Uh, we were doing, getting ready, circumax Max stuff for a meet. Um, you know, was it, uh, I want to say like a month out with my briefs on, I did 900 to a below parallel box like a legitimate below parallel not your standard two inches high below parallel (laughs) with just my briefs on off a box and just hammered it and i was like well shit this is awesome uh go to the meet open it like 850 this is like three weeks later with a suit on now um the the 900 was just in briefs put a suit on 850 uh, grinder, <laughs> All right. you know, go to 900, miss it twice. You know, it's like, well, what's going on here? Um, you know, I've, I've put a suit on, taken the box out and gone absolutely nowhere. Uh, yeah. came to the realization that West side made me an amazing box squatter, but had no carryover for competition lifts. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it was a pretty sweet in the gym, but that was it. Uh, after that, I did uh, uh, some 531 stuff with Windler, you know, um, way before he was real popular with it. Uh, you know, his his stuff was taken off. He was well known with it, but uh, um, I got into it early and had some progress there, and it just kind of slowed down a little bit for me. And then actually happened to uh, happen upon block theorization. Jeremy Frey had just started picking it up. I'd talked to some other guys. Joseph Johnson, things like that, and was like, well, let's give this shit a rip. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, Jeremy Frey had, was pretty good, got into that, because I think he was doing the West Side stuff, put up a decent total, you know, res- very respectable total, I don't remember what it was, but <laughs> it was a block organization, I let say he put like 300 pounds on his total, it could be way off, it's been a long time.
0: Didn't he, I think but, it was like the second highest total in the world at the time?
1: Yeah, but it would just put an absurd amount of weight on us, total in a year.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, which it's going from a scumbag to a, a decent lifter is not hard. But going from a you know uh, uh, upper upper tier guy to you know number two on the planet is is a big step. Yeah, you know, that in a year is a gigantic step. Uh, you know, especially when uh, everything else is the same except for the training. You know, so I talked to him some and really started getting into uh, uh, Bob, actually. It's funny. I talked to Bob a ton about it. Um, but Bob hooked me up with Joseph and stuff, got into the books. Uh, I did the programming. Uh, you know, Frey would answer questions for me if I had some. But ended up just uh, um, taking my training. You know, did the same thing for me that did for him. My list just uh, shot up. And that was what got me to the 1,000, uh, which I never in to meet, but I don't care because it's a fucking hobby sport anyway. Uh, <laughs> and it's on video. It's, yeah, it is on video. My mom actually the video. You should have seen her face. Because <laughs> we, were, we were finishing up training, and she was coming in to do some training. I'm like, hey, you don't look busy. Hold this camera. She's like, oh, my God, are you going to lift that? I'm like, no, Mom. I just want you yes, when you lift it. <laughs> got an awesome relationship with my mom and I just scream at her all the time and she yells back and cusses <laughs> me out. And it's fun. Awesome. Actually, you know, yeah, and it's funny because it's the first time I'd ever taken it, you know. Um, the percentages that week, I, I think at that point, were four, I want to say between... Ninety-eight and hundred percent for a single was a was a programmed weight. I was like, "Well, fuck it, load it up. Let's take it." And I took it, and it was uh, absurdly. It, it went a lot better than I thought it was going to. You know, I've, I had a lot of confidence in my spotters. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> Can you? Um,
0: I, could you kind that, of give people a, a little bit of a breakdown about how you would? lay out a a block periodization program
1: um a lot of it honestly a a lot of it depends on uh, the individual um for for lifting dude it's it's ridiculously easy yeah because you don't have to train for anything else like literally that's it yeah you know
0: (laughs) three movements
1: yeah exactly um you know so a lot of it like starting out depending on uh say it's a standard lifter uh I like to use percentages. Sometimes RPEs with more advanced guys, but a lot of guys don't understand it. Like they can't gauge it. Mm. Um, you know, because uh, if I tell you an RPE of seven, you have an idea roughly, you know, what three reps left is like. A guy that's not familiar with it, hasn't been using it for a while, um, wants to do 35 reps, you know, and, and the last two are grinders. He's like, yeah, I probably have three more. <laughs> So, use uh, for the main list, but like an uh, accumulate, I do it like a CERN does. You know, you use accumulation, transmutation, and uh, realization blocks. And I, I've changed a lot now how I do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but assuming you have just a lifter that's in okay shape, you know, because uh, um, recovery on it's huge, you know, the, the, that's what makes it more than anything. You have you, one thing I found out you have to be in shape to get strong
0: in terms you know, of, of work capacity.
1: Yeah. Work capacity I and mean, just, you know, it's will push your recovery abilities up. Um, but you know, just like it's, if, if you notice, I don't know if you've noticed or not, uh, you don't have super fucking fat power lifters anymore. No, nah. <laughs> you know, but it, five or six years ago, seven years ago when you had, uh, uh, you know, geared lifting was real big and they started doing the pro am meets you know the uh, the WPO stuff like that. You had super heavyweights that were, uh, I think Jeff Frank weighed 500 pounds. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like 380, at 6'3". stuff like that. You know, the gigantic guy, and they're f- ridiculously strong, but they're fat as shit.
0: Yeah.
1: You don't have that anymore. And I think a lot of you know those guys are like, oh yeah, I'm in a little bit better shape. I can train more now. Um, you know, so that's what. It, was, But the, that's what the accumulation block is for, is to get strong, or to get in shape, excuse me. Mm-hmm. You know, to literally prepares your body for the work that comes, because 90% of the gains you're going to get on the, the, the powerlifting cycle for it are going to come in the transmutation block.
0: Which is where you, you kind of intensify the load, narrow the number yeah, that, of exercises that you're performing, and kind of build on that foundation that you've developed in the accumulation, right?
1: Yes, they become a... a, a much more specific, um, you know. Accumulation block. It's literally just general exercises. Uh, I tell guys, uh, especially because of the distance guys, I do when I do stuff online. Um, I try and make it a lot of dumbbell or body weight stuff. Uh-huh. That's just just because most guys uh, tend to go full retard with a barbell in their hand. <laughs> well, they just they they have a very hard time uh, self-regulating, if you will. Yeah. You know, they can't see that, uh, um, they can't see that, you know, oh, well, I'm going to do this for, you know, 60 reps total. Well, shit, you know, I can do this much, you know, that, that it's more about, uh, uh, you know, the, the work being done and not the weight on the bar. Yeah. You know, which a lot of times dumbbells will tend to limit unless guys have real bad, uh, uh um, symmetrical issues, things like that. A left side real way bigger than the right. Uh, something like that, you know, bad tricep or something like that. And guys like that, I'll have them use barbells. Hmm. Um, so most of the time it's like dumbbell work or just body weight work. It's a lot of, uh, uh, prehab stuff because you want to go into it healthy. You know, you're going to be, you're going to be tired, you know, worn out, but you're, you're going to be healthy when you go into it. You know, you have the joints and pains. There's nothing, there's no loading. that's that heavy. You know, some of the, some of the volume for it is, uh, uh, ridiculously high the first few weeks, depending on where you start at. But, uh, you know, it's, you get guys in that, and it's literally, it's a, uh, uh, the, the main exercise is your squat, your bench, your deadlift. Um, you'll weigh the percentages up over four to six weeks from, you know, I'll usually start at like 50 or 55% up to, you know, 70s the ceiling. You don't have to get that high, but that's where it's at. And that's all that's for is to uh, maintain technique. It's literally, it's technique work on your main lifts. Yep. The loads are light. The rest periods are short. It's to, you know, just make sure that you can maintain proficiency at performing the lift. You're not going to get stronger, you know, squatting at 50% for sets of six. (coughs) You know, barring an insane amount of drugs anyway. um, You know, so it's just, yeah. You, You know, the accumulation block, basic exercises. You know, uh, um, general, you know, rehab stuff just to, you know, for the knees, hips, shoulders, elbows, just to make sure that you're ready to go for a transmutation block.
0: Yep. And then what kind of percentages are you dealing with in that uh, transmutation block? Are you working up to 100 over that block or is it as high as you you need to go kind of thing?
1: Um, Actually, in that block, most of the time, um, we'll get into the RPEs. Uh, Main work. Squat, bench, deadlift are still percentage based. Um, you know, as the, the uh, percentages go up, obviously the volume goes down. Uh, but they'll run from seventy-five percent to eighty-nine mm-hmm. around there. A lot of it depends. You know, eighty-nine uh, percent for a guy that squats eight hundred is a lot. There's a huge difference going eighty-nine to ninety-two percent versus a guy that squats five hundred. You know. Yeah. It, 85 or you know somewhere and it's not as big a deal um, for the main stuff and then we'll do a, a <coughs> specialized developmental lifts uh, variations of the main lift uh, I've been going opposites with that um, this is something I picked up from Jeremy Frey he's like do it like this cool beans I still use it and it's worked amazingly well for me and the guys that I use it with um, essentially what it is is you know you do your squat work Work up to whatever percentage you know volume is called for, and then they will do a deadlift accessory exercise, um, rack pulls, for example.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, work up to a certain RPE for a certain amount of working reps. You know, so if it calls for an RPE of eight for 20 reps, you know that's what you'll that's what your sets will be. You know, you can work up, but it doesn't count. You know, yeah. your 20 reps at your RPE of 8 and then go on to the next exercise, which is usually another variation of the main lift. Um, you know, so a lot of it would depend, like, uh, uh, you go with, like, a standard barbell squat and a rack pull. And then you may do, like, a, uh, um, you know, like a high bar pause squat or a squat with chains, you know, accommodating resistance, things like that, depending on how you feel about those. Um, you know, I always thought chains are cool. Bands are stupid unless you're a terrible athlete, and then they're good for you. Um, but that's what the, uh, like that and the accessory work drops off a lot. You know, usually like lat, upper back type work, mm-hmm. and abdominal work just to help you know make sure stabilize loads. <coughs> and that would uh, uh simply run from there. That's uh, usually like three weeks, three or four weeks, depending on how it goes. Um, a lot of it's based on recoveries, you know, if you're, uh, cause you're going to get some fatigue from the work, obviously, uh, it's designed to fatigue you, but like I said, it, it makes you really strong. Um, the important you get to the point where you tiptoe the threshold between, you know, just enough and too much training, uh, a lot of it. And honestly, too, you have to be careful because a lot of it's, uh, it's not muscular. It's your, uh, CNS. Yeah. So you just don't overload the CNS too much. And then there will be a, a deload week after that. And depending on how it went, how the block is set up, um, traditionally you'd go into your uh, realization block, which a lot of people would call it peaking. Uh, you know, you can do that. You can go another transmutation block, which is what I did for my last meet. I, just ran. I was in pretty good shape to start. I had enough time. I ran back to back transmutation blocks. It worked out really well for me. Um, For the squat, anyway. I hurt myself pretty bad. So that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then, uh, I mean, you you know, and and you can literally just cycle these blocks in and out as your time and and training, you know, see fit, which is what I like about it. And
0: with that uh, realization block, is the idea there that you're basically just stripping everything right back to get rid of any residual fatigue and try and yeah, realize adaptation from the previous blocks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's a, it literally, it is what it says. You're trying to realize, <laughs> just as you said, realize the adaptations you've made in the previous block. Yeah. You know, um, um, the volumes are very low. Uh, the intensities are high, but the volume is low enough that you Complete recoveries between sessions. Um, you know, the accessory work is very minimal. 20, 30 reps total per training session. You know, uh, you do some cardiac work just to help with uh, lactate cleaners, stuff like that. But it, it um, that's for anybody. And then, uh, um, you know, like that. But, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, the, the bands are gone. The chains are gone. The silly bars. Random exercises literally squat one day, bench, deadlift, and then if you're going to do a fourth session for the week, a very, very uh, deloaded bench session,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, you know, literally like a uh, roughly a quarter of the, the weight and the volume they used in the initial bench session, roughly. Cool, but it's uh, very nice, it's worked out very well for me. I've had guys that've had some. Very, very good success on it. Um, I think you're doing well with it until your back exploded again. The chocolate back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's. Uh, I, I know your opinions about the the English National Health Service. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I just don't understand it at all. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's good that everybody gets treatment, but uh, you know, you got a oh, you've got a broken arm. Cool, come back in six weeks. <laughs> You know, you pay a little bit more money here, but it's like, oh yeah. By the time you go get your X-rays done, I'm halfway through the healing process. <laughs> you've got to get your shit rebroken and done surgically.
0: Political. <laughs> uh, and with the training stuff, like you've obviously block periodizations work really, really well for you. You've alluded to what what you think about it worked well for you, and kind of yeah. said you've alluded to the problems with, with Westside. Why is it you think Westside has such a good reputation? And if it's warranted, what is the stuff that they do well and what is the stuff that they don't do well at Westside?
1: Um, the Westside, um, I, I think a lot of people, uh, the good things they do, you know, Louis, and I, I'm going to speak specifically about the gym um, as well. I just use them interchangeably so you can – deal with that as you see fit, mm. but Louie was really the first guy to bring, um, you know, the, the Russian Eastern Bloc stuff to American training, you know, like, like Dr. Yes, this has been doing stuff for ever. Uh, it's always been very niche. You know, he wasn't well known. Louis Simmons was kind of what made it known, if yeah. you will. Um, so, you know, he brought that out, you know, at least got people interested, like who the who are these fucking Russian people this dude's talking about? Yeah. You know, cause guy, like I was talking about with Chuck Vogel for earlier, you know, he's taken at that point, you know, um, cause now he just gets guys with huge totals cause they want to train at West side. Um, you know, at that time he was, t- I mean, Dave Tate was nobody, you know what I mean? Mm. Decently strong dude, but it wasn't like he was a world renowned power lifter. Same with Chuck Vogel, he's a correctional officer. I like to lift weights. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: So come in here and you know, I mean, you've seen what happened with Chuck now, but he, you know he used to take dudes off the street and just turn them into fucking monsters. And I think that kind of helped, you know, the reputation of the gym. Um, I think, you know, for new guys, a lot of it um, seems anymore, especially guys take everything they read very, very literally. Yeah. You know, so we so would always talk about you know in powerlifting USA. He would always talk about dynamic effort work and how it was technique work, you know, so it's, uh, got a lot of guys who are doing it. Um, you know, they're focusing on the technique of their main lifts, completely bastardizing, you know, the dynamic effort stuff, but they're still focusing on the technique, you know, it helped go from just your standard gym rat, like, well, it went up, it counts, you yeah. know, to, uh, um, things like that. Uh, You know, at the same time, he, uh, I think he took, you know, knowing what I know now, and honestly, I can't remember specifics off the top of my head, but just a lot of things he kind of took way out of proportion as far as things go. Um, You know, like he talked about uh, at one point, you know, United States Olympic lifters need to use West Side to, to win Olympic medals. And it's like, no, these dudes are strong as fuck. They just suck internationally. You know, and I have no idea why. I don't I don't follow Olympic lifting. You know, I think it's cool. Um, that being said, I've never had a, a, more than a passing interest in it. You know, we did cleans and stuff like that as uh, athletes. You know, but that was, that was where, like, it wasn't that, um you know, I, I couldn't tell you two guys, you know, I couldn't tell you two guys that have world records right now in Olympic lifting. Yeah. It, it's just one of those, it's, it's outside of my... Like Olympic lifting was a tool; it was never uh, an end, you know, uh end state for me. So it didn't matter; I didn't care. Yeah. I know it sounds terrible, but that's the way it is for me. Um, you know, I'm at the point now where I think Olympic lifting is stupid for athletes. I'll say that to anybody. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> that gets me into trouble when I say it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's what I mean, but you know, you, your, your job level you're coaching at and the level I'm coaching at are slightly different as well. But I just think that the, uh, um, the risk reward with it is atrocious. Um, you know, most guys don't have the shoulder mobility or wrist mobility to clean and snatch. They don't need it. <laughs> you know, um, Olympic lifter mobility and a healthy athlete mobility are not necessarily one-to-one. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the same time, the Olympic lifts to to become good at them are absurdly technical. You know, yeah. um, see, so you watch it on watch the Olympics on television, and they're talking about really a guy that's uh, uh, doing a snatch for the silver medal in the Olympics, and they're talking about his technique breaking during the lift. It's like, yeah, this is a, this is ridiculous. You know. Um you spend your time getting better at your chosen sport or recovering rather than trying to learn how to clean and add five pounds to your clean, you know, rather than Does that make sense to you.
0: Oh yeah. Like, you know, to me, it, it doesn't make sense that, you're going to dedicate that much more time and effort to to learning a training exercise because that's it's going to detract from from time that you could be getting better at your sport and you know even at the elite level you don't meet guys who are perfect at their sport or, or in their position and that's going to have far more of an impact on their performance than how much they clean or snatch
1: exactly uh, it's funny this goes back to uh um, I actually think you were there for this you were around um, one year at the uh, uh the Mayo seminar, I sat down with Bob and Cal Dietz and drank a ton of whiskey and, and argued with Cal Dietz for probably two hours.
0: It was, it was over uh, my shoulder. I was in the booth next to you, but I could, <laughs> I could see Cal's face the whole time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's unfortunate Bob's dead because he'd tell you I won that argument. He, he, um, yeah, he
0: did. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, you know, for, for you guys that don't know, that are listening, that don't know who Cal Dietz is, look him up his track record is amazing. Uh, all sorts of, you know, conference championships, national championships, and tons of sports. He puts, uh, guys in the NHL every year, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, it's a big deal here. for American football, you know, I'm going to be a football strength conditioning coach. Well, he does everything but football and just slays at it. You know, he's very, very good at what he does. Um, But, you know, the the argument I made with him that I think a lot of people lose sight of is that in the weight room, you know, for athletes, lifting weights is just GPP. There's no need to, you know, so long as your guys are lifting safely, you know, with decent technique. uh, And much like anything else, you have guys that are very, very technically proficient and other guys that just kind of uh, miracle their way through it. You know, they're just brutes. Like, you know, he's going to do whatever he wants to and not hurt himself versus a guy that becomes very technically proficient and strong that way. Mm. But it's just, it's one of those things, you know, a lot of times at certain levels where you're just better off practicing your sport or taking the time to recover rather than, say, learning to clean and snatch or trying to take your squat from 500 to 600. You know, for a lot of guys, you know, a lot of the guys that you coach, uh, a 500-pound squat was completely acceptable.
0: Oh, you know, dude, for, I reckon we've got we had two that could do 500 pounds. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's a big lift.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, in powerlifting, yeah, 100 pounds is not impressive. You know, it is for a 132 pound woman, but it's you know for guys where all they do is lift weights and take drugs, 500 pound squat is not a big deal.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, for for a guy that can run, you know, uh, sprints for an hour and a half up and down a, a rugby pitch, you know. And still be as effective you know late late into the game as he is ten minutes into it, you know vastly more important than being able to squat six hundred yep. or five hundred
0: well I think it's kind of like you said the thing that really crystallized it for me was if you look at the video of, of Usain Bolt lifting in the gym it's it's a terrible session, and that probably conveys the value of you know even for for high level track and field guys who are talented the value of, of weight training to to sprinting fast like his he does a shitty shitty weight session but he is technically perfect when he sprints and he puts the majority of his time and effort and training into sprinting because that's his sport
1: yeah exactly you know i think a lot of guys tend to uh um kind of lose focus of that you know especially younger guys uh guys who train by themselves like oh yeah um i mean this is true like the guys i uh, train jiu-jitsu with you got a couple guys that are just <laughs> demolish themselves in the gym and they come out and they literally they don't have anything on the mat. yeah like buddy you lifted weights for three hours <laughs> yeah you know I think the last training block I was in the gym for three hours for a week and a half this was my total training time for you know four sessions was 90 minutes <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so you know I mean gonna...
0: you uh, fact, yeah I was gonna say like you mentioned you know, you uh, you got up to to 310. Was that the heaviest you got up to? Uh,
1: no. The heaviest I've ever been uh, was probably not too long after I got out of the Army. I was just uh, um, I was a was wreck. Awful. It uh, <laughs> was one of those like, oh, yeah, just oblivious, like, oh, I'm eating for muscles and, you know, like that. I think at a uh, one meet I did, I weighed in at like three thirty-one. Yeah, and had looked at some pictures of myself and was like, "Holy shit, you fat fuck!" You look- <laughs> what? How?
0: You know how much and what did you eat to get up to that body weight? I mean, was it a conscious effort for for lifting to to increase body mass? Because obviously, there are people out there working with rugby athletes, some of whom need to get bigger. Uh, and I'm always curious to. To see how people do it because there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between what you hear from sensible dietitians and then the people that actually gain large amounts of weight quickly.
1: Yeah. Um, i tell you this just to kind of, you laugh at this. Uh, give you a backstory of the weight. My sophomore year um, playing football in high school, I weighed 230 pounds. My junior year, um, you know, in between really hit the weight like I sucked as a sophomore, it was okay average at best, Um, not awful, but not good, my junior year, um, you know, in the gym, eating food, um, things like that, but I, uh, uh, my weight, when they have the players day, and they do all the testing, and you know, how tall are you, how much do you weigh, what do you bench, uh, was 293, wow, (laughs) yeah, so the the course, you know, it's going from 16 to 17 years old, yeah, So I've got, uh, uh, you know, just about the best natural hormone levels you're going to get, you know, um, like that. I was training all the time. The kid, it's like, oh, yeah, let's lift weights and then go smoke cigarettes and drink six beers and puke on each other. You know, like you get (laughs) that age. And then do uh, it again.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, I was like, oh, we're just going to try and finger bang chicks and get drunk. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and it was like I got drunk a lot more than I finger bang chicks, but that was more because I'm ugly. Either way. <laughs> but it was uh, uh one of those like literally for me, um my mom and dad will still tell you this is like uh you know, standard, like a lot of times I still don't I don't really eat breakfast in the mornings. Um never really hungry. Honestly don't think, you know, if you want to eat breakfast, cool beans. Um yeah, you know, I've worked with some nutrition guys that are like, take a protein shake in the morning when you get up and, raw oh, gains. Um, and I paid them money. So I did what they said. Yeah. But I honestly personally didn't notice, like, oh man, I started eating breakfast. and Yeah, my body weight and strength just shot up. But like, I'd eat lunch at school, whatever they had. Standard, bullshit. Uh, you know, cheeseburger, french fries, pizzas, Chickens, whatever they serve for, you know, school, standard American school lunch. All the good stuff. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, assuming like several winter the would come home, uh, eat something after after school, go back, uh, a lot of time, strength, conditioning, or, you know, whatever, basketball, wrestling, whatever, you're doing to come home and it was literally some burger food. You know, whatever mom and dad made for dinner, hammered it. Um, you know, sometimes it was a, uh, uh, I don't know, meat loaf, just a standard, uh, I don't know, middle class fare, if you will. Meat and potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah, that was what it was. You know, um, my dad, uh, my grandpa would always deer hunt stuff like that in fall. So a lot of times it was like, uh, uh venison, things like that, duck, goose, uh, you know, it's random meat. Yeah, a lot of meat, a lot of potatoes. Uh, honestly, probably the one thing that stuck out to me, uh, still sticks out to me, was uh, milk. I drank a ton of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I'm not exaggerating. Exactly right I literally say for myself, uh, a gallon plus per day, every day.
0: What was it like when you took a shit?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it was... a uh, um, but I mean, it was it was probably since, you know, as a sophomore in high school, like it just ramped up, but it was easy protein. It was cheap. Yeah. Like for me as a kid, it was like, oh man, I got uh, 50 cents. I can get two more milks, you know, versus French fries, things like that. Like it was just a. Uh, um, but I had, still, they have no lactose intolerance at all, you know? Um, but I mean, literally, that was probably one of the things, because it was always like 2% milk, which. Uh, want to say, what, 100 calories for 8 ounces? Mm. There are 16 8-ounce servings. You know, I mean, so it's a shitload of calories, obviously. But it's like protein and carbs from running around in school all day, things like that. But that was probably, I mean, I just ate a fucking ton. Drank milk. You know, we would go out in the evening, something like that. Uh, with your buddies, you stop at McDonald's shit like that, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna be like, oh it was all chicken breasts and rice, it was fucking trash food. And then <laughs> For the most part, you just know.
0: worry about the fat later.
1: Uh, I mean it was like, you know, I was active enough, uh, you know, with the training and stuff like that, like I never got sloppy mm. you know, until I just gave it. you know, so after I got out of the army it was like powerlifting, get big. You know, and then I was like, holy shit, I look terrible. And that cut out. You know but like when in school and stuff like that when I was an actual athlete, not just a lifter uh, you know the gym classes and stuff like that yeah you know playing sports things like like I never really got fat I'm not going to tell you I was lean by any means but I was not a uh, you know a sloppy piece of shit yeah you know, when I think at 300 I'm sorry
0: I was gonna say when did you when did you decide to start using steroids for powerlifting? And, uh, what kind of effect did that have in terms of body weight or was it more of a, a difference in strength?
1: Um, a lot of it came with body weight. Uh, I found out at that time I was, uh, first time I did, I was 21 right before I went to the army. I was like, woohoo, let's try it. And it was fun. And when, you know, it was like, Hey, I got out, went to the army, did all that. And I was like, well, let's try this again. Um, you know, put on the weight, things like that. Um, I found out as time went on, you know, it like it did help with the weight a bunch. Mm. Uh, a lot of the weight gain was from, you know, obviously have the muscular gain. But uh, uh, a lot of it, honestly, was the water retention from whatever. Uh, and a lot of the water retention was based on uh, dietary habits. You know, like I could go and uh, uh, I think the most I put on at one point in a 24-hour period was 19 pounds. Fuck. Between weight and yeah. <laughs> and that's why, I mean, you know, just like if you just uh, sodium uh, Chinese food, because they use MSG in everything, you know, like that. And then just fluids, and you just retain the water like that. I mean, it was all fluid to help with leverages and stuff like that. But it was uh, um, most of it, honestly, probably more so just recovery, which, you know, the, obviously affects the strength. You know, but it wasn't like, oh, my bench went from 315 to 500. You know, but it was, uh, I could bench 315 six days a week now instead of two. Okay. You know, I, I think it allowed the, allowed the, the volume more. It uh, was probably what it was more so you could increase the training volume a shitload and still recover, you know, so you got stronger that way. Mm. Rather than just, oh, my one rep max flying up, flying up because at the time. They said we were doing the west side stuff. Um had a really good group of guys. That had some strong guys. We were just kind of uh, training like retards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I mean, it was like some of the, the max effort lifts we would do. It's like there's so many – we were changing it up every week and probably didn't need to. So much like your standard CrossFitter, there was no real way to gauge improvement. Yeah. You know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I have a really good session. Or, oh, that kind of sucked you know, I can't say, like, oh, the last time I did this, you know, three weeks ago it was max was 500 and somebody did 515. (coughs) But I always, too, like, for me when I was doing it, uh, I tried to stay out of the gear as much as possible, you know, so I got a lot more muscular work from it with that than a lot of guys do now. Mm. I mean, see, some of these guys at 700, 800 pounds, they have 11-inch arms. (laughs) You know, things like, oh, I need to see another – They're not weak dudes by any means, but the the shirts give so much anymore. You know, like some of the guys, like uh, um, Brian Carroll, for example, the the things that they do with the equipment is amazing to me. You know, Brian's a ridiculously strong dude. But, I mean, just the the pressures are so immense with that gear, I I can't verbalize it. You know, just uh, the shit fits tight anyway, and your blood pressure's already elevated, and then you try and squat with it. You know, yeah. You know, the ability to deal with pressure is very impressive. It was something I never had a problem with, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot on um, some guys, that's why you'll see them squat a little bit higher in gear. Just the pressure, they just can't deal with it. Uh, a lot of it too. I just think it kind of binds up in the hip. And of course, when you got that much gear on too, it, it's impossible to tell depth. You know what I mean? Look at a guy, and you're trying to look through uh three layers of polyester and a layer of canvas and be like, I think that's where the top of this tip is. <laughs> was,
0: was that what prompted your decision just to go back to regular raw powerlifting when you did your most recent uh, meet?
1: No, uh, that honestly was driven by, uh, uh, your standard power lifter in the United States. Um, and, and I'm hugely stereotyping, uh, you know, but your standard multiply lifter in the United States is, uh, a convicted felon and just a general scumbag. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just like uh, meet some very good people in powerlifting, but you meet some people where you're like Jesus Christ. You know, like I wouldn't let that dude in my house if he was a fireman and my shit was burning down. <laughs> They're just some very uh, uh, unscrupulous people. You know, um, honestly, from and it's uh, it's bad because I've met some amazing people with it. You know. Um, people I'm very, very good friends with now. And a lot of, some of them still do multiply powerlifting. Other guys have let it go. But it's, you know, <laughs> that's why I say there's some very good people in it, but the bad people are enough to where I'm like, fuck. Like, this is just enough for me. My kids are that age, uh, you know, part of it for me was that I'm divorced. My children, my two sons live with their mother. Uh, it's about three hours away from me now. Uh, a lot of the multiply guys squat on Saturdays. I have my kids on the weekends. Uh, I could no longer justify taking out, you know, Friday night. And then what it would essentially be six hours Friday morning, you know, the training and then uh, between the training and then the travel time to uh, uh, the squat. You know what I mean? Like a time with my kids uh, was more important to me than that, the training. It was one of those, like, you know, they're getting to that age, too, where it's like they're looking at, like, oh, my dad power lifts. So, and they're like, oh, that guy's a dickhead. Like, oh, my dad is so, you know what I mean? I mean, seriously, like, it was, like, I didn't want my kids associating me and my behavior or my perceived behavior, you know, because I don't see them all the time. Yeah. With some of the stuff you read in the paper online like this, is just like, Jesus Christ, these guys are terrible.
0: So uh, good, right environment, right role model, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, just for me, you know, it was like, it's just one of those, like, it was no longer worth it.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, the, the juice was no longer worth the squeeze. Mm. You know, I love the training, but like this is everything else. It's like, I don't want to deal with it anymore. You know, I was, uh, um, doing some different stuff with, you know, I was in school and trying to work and it's like, so now I've gone from training a Saturday morning to it's, I'm off work at 10 o'clock at night, driving an hour to a gym to try and to try and squeeze myself in this multiplied spot, yeah. you know. Like, oh look at this, it's 1:30. I've been here two hours and I'm into my third work set. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, I mean you know I've got to finish training and then drive an hour back home and be up, you know, to start it all over. Like it just it was no longer worth it.
0: Yeah, the,
1: the time commitment it was not worth. Anything that I got out of it at all. But... You know, I was... I was seeing a lot of the um, the relationships and stuff were there. You know, like, say Bob, for example. Yosef, things like that. Guys I'd met through EFS. But it was just no longer working for me at all to powerlifting gear.
0: Yeah. But, you know, despite that, and obviously not being on drugs now, you... You kind of put up numbers that were—is it fair to say equal to or better than than when you had used drugs before?
1: Um. Uh. Yes and no. Um. Instead, I'm not completely drug-free at this point. I do take uh, uh, I'm on hormone replacement therapy. Okay. So I take uh, I don't take the injections. I go to a physician and they use the, the pellets now. I don't know if you're familiar with those at all.
0: I'm, I'm um, not. There's there's not a lot of uh, HRT in rugby. <laughs> uh,
1: well, I, I don't know. You, you got the fucking internet, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but but essentially, what it is is it's a uh, uh, it's pelletized testosterone. Um, it's uh, uh, testopel.com. You can read about them if you want to, the science and that. But essentially, you get the pellets inserted, and then you don't do anything for like four or five months. You go back and you get them inserted again.
0: Cool.
1: Very easy um you know it's funny it's one of the biggest things i was taking drugs off those was I always forget to take them they go oh shit i haven't taken any tests in three weeks whoops yeah <laughs> <laughs> I really believe it, but like you talk to guys they'll be completely honest with you um i know for a fact that uh, mark bell and jim winler both said the same thing they just forget to take stuff <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's nice. like i don't like i don't have to do the injections i don't have uh, once again, talking about the kids I don't have, you know, even though they're for legitimate pharmaceutical use at this point, I don't have syringes laying around the house. My dad going, oh, what do you have this for? You know, my kid's like, hey, dad, what's this for? Yeah. You know you know what I mean? It's a, a 20-minute appointment with the doctor, and I'm done for four months. Good to go. Cool. But, uh, um, you know, so I'm not taking drugs, but I'm not drug-free. I would not pass the IPF drug test. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm not supplementing in that sense. No, I mean it was just a uh, um, training was much more uh, is different. I'm still experimenting with it, you know. still trying to find the best way to get results for things. You know, it's like a, um, honestly laugh when if I told you normally, like I told you, everything is done on percentages. Well I took my basic percentage off of training max. Um my training max for the squat uh and the accumulation block based off of six hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh it went to six sixty five for the transportation and then was the, the seven hundred for uh the realization block, I'm sorry.
0: And you you squatted seven fifty, right?
1: What, 775.
0: Fuck. So it just goes to show you—you you, you don't need to train with maximal weights to get increased max strength.
1: Not at all. And I, and that's honestly part of the thing. Like I'm going to, uh, uh, I'll be completely honest with you. Like I got the video. I put up on my Facebook page. Um, but I mean honestly, 775 probably should have been my opener. Yeah, it looked easy. Yeah, like I should have. I should probably should have squatted between like eight twenty and 850.
0: Are you going to come back and do that
1: i don 't know, man. I hurt myself pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> what happened <laughs> yeah. it was weird i don't know like it was just so stupid, like I was so out of the loop. Stuff got messed up, the timing you know I thought I had about six more guys in front of me before I lifted than I did. Um, so i uh, so I missed it. essentially missed two warm ups I went from 5.25 to my opener was it
0: 6.75.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I took a 150-pound jump uh, going from <laughs> the warm-up. From, <laughs> Not from a bad from jump. My last warm- <laughs> yeah, but that was what I did, and, and it went fine. Um, you know, like, it actually went really well. felt pretty good. Got to take my second attempt, um, you know, squat down, and I hear what, sound, what sounds to me like Velcro coming apart. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I thought maybe the knee wrap was coming off or wrist wrap was coming undone. And I remember it being like pissed. Like, I didn't feel any pain. I'm like, motherfucker, like this stuff's brand new and it's coming apart. This is holding like pissed. <laughs> uh, and I stand up and look, and <laughs> knee wraps are good. Velcro on the wrist wraps is good. And I've got a little bit of tightness in my hip. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it's like, as I walk around, you know, just waiting to go for a third, Is like, wow, it's kind of. Getting a little tight on me. It was like, I wonder if that's like, nah. Because, you know, every time you see video, oh, this guy tore muscle. You know, it's like it's catastrophic. The guys going gone down and then it just struck and the bottom falls out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, terrible to see, but like, that didn't happen. You know, I hammered, I made the lift easily. I'm like, well, that's weird. So I go and it's like, it's pretty tight for the third. I was like, well, here we go. Took a third squat and it hurt. Uh, not bad. And it's funny because I told a couple guys after the second squat, I was like, I think it tore something. We're going to see how it goes. I spent my money. We're going to ride the ride.
0: Yeah.
1: Third squat went, and it was honestly probably one of the best looking out of the three. I thought I cut it really high. I didn't, um, which was cool for me. I could, could not tell depth at all. But anyway, go on like a bench. I open the bench, and it's stupid. I think it did like 200. And it went. I'm like, wow, well, that's pretty easy. And at this point, my hip's pretty tight. And I'm like, well, it's just because I've been standing around. Take my second bench and miss it horribly. It was bad. Like, I took it took it out of rack strong and lowered it. And it looked good. And then it just stopped. The spotters pulled it off me. Because I, I lowered it to my chest and that was it. It didn't move from there. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking bad. It was embarrassing. Like, I oh, we'll try it though. Um, and then like, you know, they're waiting. They've got a break between the bench and the deadlift. They're just kind of walking around. Jessica was there with the baby, hanging out. Time to warm up for the deadlifts. I'm warming up. Everything feels fine. Go to pull my opener, and I open at 675 and the deadlift. My openers were the same for both lifts. Uh, it was 675. I pull it. The video looked really good. Uh, it felt like death. Like It just felt like my whole hip was tearing off.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, that point I'm like, yeah, something's really messed up here. Um, and then I went to. Honestly, man, I can't remember what the second was. It was 725 or 775. I couldn't remember. I had a long conversation with Jessica about it. I was like, because I had told her, I'm like, yeah, I tore something. But I remember telling her, I'm like, this is pretty fucked up. There's not going to be a third attempt here. This is going to go or it's not. Um <laughs> you know, but this is going to be it. And she's like, well, blah, blah. Don't be a pussy. I was <laughs> like, okay. I think it was 775. It may have been 725. I don't remember. It may have been 7, you know, probably 725. We'll say 775 because it sounds tougher. Uh, but I go, dude, and pull it. Uh, you know, it came off the floor awesome. It hit four inches off of the floor and went immediately back down to the floor. And I felt a level of pain coursing through my body that was uh, not natural <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it started to go gray like oh yeah this hurts real bad <laughs> unconsciousness <is nice. clears throat> um, so then it was uh, uh, that was it for that it done uh, over the next week or so and the little girl's waking up hey there better she's watching tv she's cool but um, you know, did that, uh, over the course of the next week or so. It literally bruised out, um ran from my lower back all the way around to my navel. And these are like big nasty bruises, like deep dark purples. Ended up bleeding down uh you know, the outside of my leg all the way into my calf. I'm like, yeah, pretty sure something's torn there. Maybe. Um, yeah. At this point I think honestly, if I had to guess, um, I need to go to the doctor for it. I just haven't yet. Uh, but I guess it's a torn abdominal at TFL because they both hurt like shit all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. The course of course, uh, I will admit, the course of the action I'm taking with it right now is not the best. With <laughs> the other stuff I got going on, you know, I just uh, started a new job. You know, I can't really be like, hey, guys, did it take six weeks off? And I've been at it for two days. Need six weeks off. I got to get this surgery. I'm just uh, uh, trying to keep the intensities down uh, with the running and the lifting at the gym so the pain is manageable
0: awesome man so um, where can people find you online have you still got a website
1: I don't um, I've just been the the way things have been I've been so busy with it rather than uh, you know put out content once every four months I just uh, uh, turn the site off. Uh, right now, I write, um, do some stuff, obviously, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I do stuff for uh, 1020 Life. You're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, poweractstrength.com. It's uh, Brian Carroll's website. Got a bunch of really strong dudes that lift and train there. They keep training logs. Uh, a lot of good articles and stuff like that. Uh, it's cool because they're actually written by guys that uh, – Have done things. This is where I give you my shameless plug. We're going to deal with this. (laughs) Uh, But like uh, Scott Paul, right to the side. Uh, Very, very uh, record as a CrossFit coach. Uh, Four years in the NFL. Played college football. Runs his own facility now. Uh, Another guy named uh, Tony Cowden. Um, Special operations guy. I think he put uh, he actually just told to Jimmy and Cross Wilmington put twenty guys into the cross games last year, guys and girls, which is uh, a absurd amount. You know what I mean? Yeah. just Coaching.
0: Oh, there's a lot of people who are going for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like uh, I mean, I think they have. I want to say like 60 or 70 people on the men's side and then the women's side, both. There's a shitload of finalists. But, you know, he had like, hands-on 20 of them. I think it was 20 minutes, 17. I can't remember the exact number, but it's absurd. <laughs> you know, for, for what he's doing, most of the stuff he does is online. Uh, like that, obviously, Brian Carroll, uh, Jordan Wong, who held the squat record, you know, with uh, just a belt at 220 for a long time. Squat 820 at 220 walked out not so bad <laughs> yeah respectable <laughs>
0: <laughs> I um, I just want to say anyone who does add you on Facebook or Instagram does so at their own risk
1: oh come on now it's not that bad <laughs> so long as you're uh, uh, straight white male um, uh, very conservative you'll be fine <laughs> but else <laughs> That's not nearly as bad as it used to be. No, you've uh, you've, you've, you've <laughs> mellowed with age. <laughs> it's it's the uh, kids in the job search. Yeah. Or if I'm about somebody like, oh, let's look at your Facebook and see what you got going. Oh, shit. <laughs> Is you serious right now? Okay. Yeah, we're good. Thanks. I can relate to that a
0: little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> dude. Yes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> th- thank you very much for doing this, brother. I appreciate it.
1: You have me. I would like to add one thing, if At I it. may.
0: Please do. you
1: for listening. For the guys you're programming, the biggest thing you can do to impact your programming and your athlete's results right now, two words for you, training residuals. Find out what they are, find out how to use them, your programming through the roof, I promise. Nobody does it, and it's the biggest thing everybody's missing.
0: Is, is that the, the residuals that I think you're talking about from uh, that Isarin talks about in block periodization? Yes. i, I use are... them a little bit in mine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, uh, yeah, look where your guys are at too. You know what I mean? Look at the level you're coaching at. Most of your guys don't use them, and they are, uh, I don't want to say they're setting their guys up for failure, but they're not, giving, uh, uh, not getting the best results you can well, with the stuff.
0: I'll uh, just on that topic, guess uh, what was the highest percentage of 1RM that our guys worked on during the World Cup? During With the exception of one week, the highest they went was uh, 40% of 1RM.
1: <laughs> That's good. That's wow. all you need.
0: Dude, they, 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 like, the other teams are putting up videos of like, oh, this guy hit a, uh, a PB in the squat this week. And I was just like, so fucking what? Never mind.
1: that's cool you guys didn't make it out of pool play sweet video though bro
0: (laughs) anyway i'm i'm patting myself (laughs) on the back let's uh let's wind up man thanks very much
1: yes thank you sir
0: thank you